This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. A new Media Week podcast. We're talking TV today. It's our first podcast for 2018. We've been a bit of slow out of the blocks, and it's also the last of our um, at our current Media Week podcast studio here in Potts Point. And who better to share the final podcast from here with us than Andrew Mercado? Well, what an honour to be here for the first one. But look, in your defence, James, there hasn't been a lot going on TV for the past few weeks. So I don't know what we would have talked about if we'd been here last Monday. Yeah, it would have been all, um, would have been a streaming show pretty much, wouldn't yeah, it be? There's yeah. a little bit action on Foxtel, a few interesting things popping up, but it would have been all about Netflix. Well, you know, I I don't watch cricket and I, I don't watch a lot of tennis and I'm, I'm doing other things and it occurred to me that I actually really haven't seen this entire summer. I haven't been watching free-to-air TV at all. I've not seen any of their promos. I see some of the promos they email to me that I click on, but it suddenly occurred to me, I thought, I actually don't know how they're promoting MKR. I don't know how they're promoting, you know, Married at First Sight. I've, I've seen, I literally, there's only been a handful of shows I've made an appointment to watch over the summer. Yeah, but um, in fairness, you have been a little bit busy. I have been. This summer at normal yep. times, and I want to address that at the back we'll do of that this at the end, yeah. podcast. I think people would be interested in a little update on... Um, the um, movie house up the coast, see yeah. how it's going. And uh, maybe I've heard a bit of stories about a growing empire up there. <laughs> we will get to that. So, yeah, but look, the uh, television's back with a bang, isn't it? Sure Especially is. free to wear. They've suddenly <sighs> got out of the summer sports slumber and um, it's on for young and old now. Well, it literally, it literally coincides exactly with when the kids go back to school. You know, the kids go back to school and boom, television. It doesn't matter that ratings isn't starting for two weeks. Those networks go, families are back in their regular routine. We've got to become a part of that again. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen, um, as always, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, goes one night early. Yep. Worked very well this year. With, Worked uh, extremely well. The Australian Open. The Australian Open numbers were down considerably. I think a lot of people thought Federer would win. He did, but it wasn't as easy as some people thought he might. But um, yep. But early in the night, 10 uh, did very well, and the numbers were up year on year for the launch of I'm a Celebrity. Let's start there. Yep. I've got to say, when I first saw that list, I was pretty underwhelmed by the... I mean, as I guess we often are each year, but then after watching... Bits and pieces of two nights, and they're not delivering. They're delivering reasonably well. Yeah, they are. I, I was I was actually happier with the input this year than last year's. Okay. I, I thought last year's celebrities were kind of dull. Um, I I actually think something's going on here. They're, this <laughs> one is very blokey is. and very sporty. We've got four sports stars in there. We've got Bernard Tomic. We've got Josh, the AFL footballer. I don't know his last name. We've got. Anthony Mundine in there, and we've got Danny Green coming. Four sports guys. We've got Shannon Knoll in there. Now, I mean, the show's always been half men, half women, but I'm wondering if this is a deliberate strategy, James, because when you think about the competition, married at first sight, obviously skews towards females. My kitchen rules, I would say a lot of ladies like watching that too because of the cooking aspect of it. Has 10 made a strategic decision to say, let's try and get the men to watch I'm a Celebrity get me out of here because those are 
big sports stars, and there's a pretty good chance that if you're a guy and you like sports, you know, you've got a lot to, you've got boxing, you've got football, and you've got tennis in there. You know, we don't have a warning, we've got no cricketer, but it's a, it's a much bigger representation of sports stars than previous years. Yeah, interesting theory, Andrew, and you, there could be something to it, although the uh, Bernard Tomic experiment oh. it looks like it might be off, <laughs> off the rails before it's left the station. Dear, almost. oh dear, the guy, he's got a few issues, mm. clearly. Like, doesn't take much know. to chuck in that. Well, I'm, I'm not there doing it, but it, compared to everybody else, he's ready to chuck in the towel and a lot of other people with a lot less uh, ability than him have gone the distance. Look, you know, that show is about uh, giving the public an opportunity to see the real you and Shane Warne went on that and it succeeded brilliantly for him. You know, all of those people that thought that Shane Warne was just a joke, suddenly you saw him in there being so nice to all those other cats and going, actually, he actually is a really nice guy. Maybe the tabloids do exaggerate all his stuff, you know. Yes, he's a larrikin. So this is Tomic's opportunity to not be the spoiled brat. And yes, we get it, obviously, with the way he's going on at the moment, that he is a high achiever that sets himself massive goals. And because he didn't do as well in that challenge as expected, but, you know, the the drama afterwards, I'm not coping, I think I might have to go home because he couldn't do it. Like, that's the hardest challenge that has ever been on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Hoisted up in the middle of an air over a canyon in high winds with a thunderstorm coming and wearing goggles that make your vision upside down, which gave him a massive case of nausea. You know, I'm freaking amazed that he got three stars out of the ten. It's the hardest thing I've ever seen anyone do, walking across tiny platforms. You know, the fact, you know, so he has nothing to be upset about. Everyone around there has told him that. But there's, there's clearly some stuff going on in his head. And I'd be really disappointed if he leaves. This is his opportunity to tough up and, and show that he can do it. And he's got some really fantastic people around him that can help him and give him good advice. But I'm just wondering, I mean, if he sticks around a bit longer, are we all getting sucked in and it's part of the showbiz? It could be. You know? and, it could and be his showbiz he's too. Playing his role. He's either taking it on himself yeah. or that's the structured narrative yeah. that he's been offered and so, yeah, I'll, but even I'll give if it a go. So I'm guessing he's getting a lot of yeah, money for this. Even if he's doing that, it's still, it's still always fascinating to see who comes straight over and helps him. You know, Anthony Mundine, he didn't get up off his bed. He just <laughs> lay there and threw a few comments in. But, I mean, I love the way that Jackie Gillies came right she's, in there. She's really um, reaching out to everybody. Yes, she is. Yeah. She comes right in when she sees there's a problem and goes, oh, oh, we've, we've got to do something about this. I'm here to help you. Mm. She gives really good advice and you suddenly look at her thinking, you see what she plays on The Real Housewives of Melbourne, which is not the real her, and then you see her being so kind to everybody from day one and you go, oh, okay, a little bit of respect for Jackie Gillies there. Yeah. That's what that show's about. Redefining our expectations of who we think these people are from their TV personas and their tabloid lives. If Tomic went, let's say he went in the first week, presumably he would um, lose a lot of his uh, appearance fee. Presumably. Because your contract would have to stipulate 
you stay around until you voted out or something, right? You would think so. And he might lose most of it. But then he's often boasting he doesn't need any more cash because he's loaded. So yeah. maybe it's just a bit of a uh, See, I don't think this is about it. If he walks away from that show, people will just go, well, there you go. He's throwing, <laughs> he's throwing the hissy fit just like he's done on the court so many times. So that's why it's really important that he gets over this and sticks around and, and, and really tries to make this work. Mm. Monday night was interesting with My Kitchen Rules and Married at First Sight going head-to-head with their first episodes of their new seasons. Um, No surprise that My Kitchen Rules won the ratings, but it was down substantially year on year. Was it? While Married at First Sight, even though it um, didn't win... It uh, was up year on year. Interesting. A bit of a slow start, and it climbed later in the week last year after yeah. its debut. Yeah, and, you know, they're screening it for five nights a week. Um, I don't know I, how long that'll last. Well, I don't know how, they go, how long they're going to be able to do five nights, but if you look at the back of TV week there, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, and, of course, they've got the poster inside there for you to... You know, stick it up on the wall. Is that the listings for this week or next week? Next week's listings. I've noticed in this guide here, which is the... um, I'm holding up the TV guide that News Corp put out. Yep. This Friday night, there's also a listing for a sixth episode (sighs) of... um, but how Married many hours does it sight. go for, James? I think this is a compilation uh, of the week. Yeah. It's like 11.45, an oh, hour and a half, narrated by Georgie mm. Gardner. Okay, well, it might be a best of. Mm. They might be, you know... So that's six nights a week. Yeah. I should check Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's something there too. Yeah, no, it is. I, in fact, I looked at it here on Saturday today. There's definitely a weekend repeat on Nine's main, my main channel of it. Yeah. And, of course, we see that, you know... People tune into opening nights, but then we see loyalty start to divide on these shows. And the one thing that Married at First Sight, uh, you know, gets more than the others is the entertainment websites and the tabloids love it. Mm. They love the romance. They love telling the story. So a lot of stuff gets written about this show, more so than My Kitchen Rules, and maybe neck and neck with I'm a Celebrity. But, yeah, I think the, the, lo- I think the audience, as they start to read about all these characters on Married at First Sight, start to, like, waver. Yeah, and and the worse the behaviour, the better. Correct. <laughs> the better the stories, yeah. of course. The yeah. more politically incorrect the, um, particularly the grooms are, because they, um, I guess, they're selected because they're shockers and likely to fire off, you know, um, speech bubbles without too much thought behind them. It was a bit hard to figure out who was the biggest chauvinist on Australian TV last <laughs> night. You had Anthony Mundine lying there saying, "I just lie around and let woman, women cook and clean for me," mm. and then you had the dude on Married at First Sight from the promos that you know has very definite views on how women should behave. But you know, when when they met, they seemed to like each other really well until, of course, the news came out that she had a daughter. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, there's drama there. But, of course, they, it looked like they had the other couple that got married on the first episode. They seemed very happy together and seemed very taken with each other. Yeah. So uh, let's see what happens. Might, uh, have we not somewhere, whether on one of your um, interviews or somewhere, I've, I've read that it becomes, a, it becomes very swinging safari as we go down the track. Oh, there's really? a bit of partner swapping going on I have seen as we get there. That. So, yeah, well, let's, let's wait. Mm. Interesting. The um, of the two chauvinists, Mundine seemed a little bit more scripted to me. Than yeah. The other guys seemed more more comfortable <laughs> yes. with it, more authentic. Whereas uh, <laughs> Mundine, 
you could tell he was sort of really enjoying saying it because he knew it was going to, you know, yeah. offend and get people, oh, you yeah. can't say that. It, it always feels to me and that Anthony Mundine, because once he became a boxer, I don't know whether he spoke like this when he was a NRL footballer, but it feels to me that now he's a boxer, he's trying to be the Australian version of Muhammad Ali because it's not, is this not what Muhammad Ali used to say? I am the greatest and all of that and really talk yourself up. Did Mundine take on that persona when he became the boxer? Or was he always like that? You know, I, I've lost track because I'm not a football watcher, but, you know, ever since he's been a boxer, that's who he's been. And you're right, that is a character he plays. Yeah. And I recalled last night that many, many years ago, he was in Celebrity Big Brother, was he not? With Kyle Sanderlands right, okay, and the actress, for, and, you know, and I yep. seem to recall yep. that in that house, all those celebrities with him ended up becoming really good friends of his because then when he would box, you would see Gretel Colleen, who was hosting the show, and all those people in the front row. So those people who spent a lot of one-on-one time with him, you know, came out as his friends. So, yeah, we've got the character and we've got the real person and it'll be eventually the real person. He can't keep up that act 24-7. Eventually the real person always comes through on these shows. Sure. Was that uh, was Dylan Lewis in that as well, I think? Did he actually win it? <sighs> yes, him, maybe the, um... he did. I just... <sighs> got a feeling he, might... he won Celebrity. Maybe but... he did. I'm pretty sure he was in it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Kyle had lots of migraines. Yes, that's right. He was always migraine. Well, probably because he wasn't allowed to smoke cigarettes, as as many cigarettes as he needed, or drink the Coke. expected him to leave at any moment with this awful migraine. But I think he hung around quite a while, actually. Yeah. Or he went and came back, I'm not sure. Yeah. It was a long time. That was back in the day when Kyle was trying to be more famous. (laughs) (laughs) You you wouldn't get him on a reality show now, would you? He sends the girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. um, He doesn't have the motivation to do that, does he? Um, My Kitchen Rules, a little bit about that. They're really promoting the hell out of the fact that somebody's going to get booted off. I think for the first time ever, a team will be told, you're not playing anymore. Right. Because of their behaviour or something. Yep. So that's promos. Yeah. yeah, but you yeah. don't. I think it might have been revealed when there were stories about it last year who it was. I'm not sure, but they're not saying now who it is. Right. So that's something. I'm not sure how far into the season that happens. Do you but, think that the first episode was uh, a good first episode? Was it action packed? Because I spent, I got to admit, I spent very little time watching it. I was going between well, married I and was celebrity. Around, yeah. You know. But I just find. Um, well, because we like knowing, we like we've got to keep in touch with lots of stuff. It's very hard to commit to one show yeah, all really the way is. through. Yeah, yeah. Unless not a lot happens. No, I mean, particularly with that show, my kitchen rules. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's the same thing in these early weeks. Yeah. They, the, the the couple are getting cooking their meals. The guests are arriving. They're ch- you know exactly yeah. what's going on. So if you're waiting for the main event, which is going to be Manu and Pete. Judging, if that's your favourite bit of the show, you could be watching Married at First Sight and thinking to yourself, I've got an hour till I need to flick. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas yeah. with Married at First Sight, even though that's a predictable thing on who's going to marry, I mean, that's th- those those situations are a bit more open to this could go in any direction. Yeah, I, I don't think we're dismissing the enjoyment. A lot of people seem to get out of it. No, not at all. Sticking all the way through. But not for some people, and I am interested in the chefs, what uh, Manu and Pete have to mm. say, 
you know, but I'm not prepared to sit through that 90-plus minutes <laughs> has, of all these very familiar scenes to Has find Pete out. Evans been a bit absent from the publicity trail this year? He has a little bit. He looked a little bit different last night. Has he got more growth or um, I mean, more of a tan? Manu's or? on the cover of TV Week here mm. saying, oh, you know, I am getting, I'm getting a bit bored. I might have to leave and all this, which is, you know, great grist for the mill. Yeah. 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 Get everyone thinking this is going to be your last year and all that stuff. He's got a movie coming out soon, an Australian film called The Barbecue, which, which doesn't look too crash hot just quietly. Um... <laughs> So, but yeah, I've I've not seen, I'm not seeing Pete on the cover of any magazines. No, no. But he, no. I guess he doesn't do. I mean, he's been media shy for a little while since everybody gets into him about the what was it, the almonds, the the, um, pa- the paleo diet. Yeah, and what was the, it? The they were uh, activated, activated, activated almonds. almonds. <laughs> and understandably, if, I guess. I mean, you know, he's, he's thinking, oh, why am I going to go and give? journos helping hand yeah. with some outrageous quotes. Yeah. If by, you know, another few days later they're all Maybe he needs to look over to Jane Fonda over in the US here that shut down that reporter when she went on to promote her new Netflix movie mm. with Robert Redford. Mm. And they're both there and Megan Kelly said, what about your plastic surgery? And Jane Fonda said, really? We're going to talk about that now? Mm. I've just made a great movie with Robert Redford. Shut her right down. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you have to, if you're going to do those things, you have to find ways to say, well, I'm not here to talk about that now. I'm here to talk about the new season of My Kitchen Rules. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I did watch that movie, actually, and it wasn't bad. That, that What's it called? Our Souls at Night? Oh, I knew you'd ask me that. I have no idea. No, I, I can't thought remember it, what it's called. Well, it's actually pretty good. It's actually really, really good. I thought it was a beautiful uh, movie, an original Netflix movie, and I thought that... simple as. The, the was acting from Jane Fonda and Robert Redford, it was sublime. Mm. This is the third movie they've made together, and I thought that was a beautiful piece of work. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, it deserved a lot more. It didn't get a lot of hype, especially no. here. It just sort of... Well, it comes one week, and the next week they've got no, 13 it's... new episodes of some new series, and it's completely lost. Because I think, um, and I'm not telling Netflix what to do, but... They don't play the traditional rules, do they? Promoting no. a show, release dates, and all this. The just stuff just appears. They just want you and to it's find part it. Part of the fun, I guess, of I going suppose. on discovering. Or it's Fridays usually the day everything yep. drops, and yep. people now are building. They're going on Fridays. I hear people saying they've got Netflix nights where all they'll do. It's often a Friday. All they will do is just go and watch. Look around Netflix, discover something new and get into it. You know, I, I signed up to Netflix. I, I I was with it for a few months when it first started. And I thought, I don't have time for all of these. And plus, I was getting media previews. But the problem was, then I got busy. I didn't have time to watch those shows. And when the shows started streaming, they got taken off the media preview site, understandably. So the shows were backing up what I needed to see. So I was sitting there going, I want to watch The Crown. I want to watch Mindhunter. My gay friends talked me into Dynasty that I was saying I'm not having a bar of it. And they said, yes, but, but, but. And I went, oh, damn, I'm going to have to watch it now. I want to watch The Sinner with Jessica Biel. So oh. I thought, I'm going to do this. And I'm telling you, I that's one of the reasons I haven't watched Free to Wear the past few yeah. weeks. When I'm home in front of that TV, I've got to say, too, that their, their user-friendly interface it's so bloody good because when I go to Stan and I love Stan they have a lot of shows there what I watch but when I go to Stan and go I'm here to watch the new episode of Will and Grace sorry where is it on this home screen this busy home screen I've got to wait for the ad to flash up and I've got to look whereas Netflix is right there saying here's the shows you watch do you want to continue watching any of these I get 
Stan doesn't do that for me. Don't continue watching. Or what if you leave an episode midway? It disappears. When you log into Stan, it comes up. They have a big box in the left-hand side with things that are changing. And then down below, they have trending on Stan and... 90s comedies and all of this and I'm thinking to myself well where the hell will Will and Grace be under 90s comedies or will it be trending on Stan and and I have to search for it to find it I don't have to do that with Netflix I turn it on and boom I'm right there that is good isn't it and I'm loving that skip the uh, opening titles button skip the titles (laughs) skip the credits straight to it yeah there's no market yeah Yeah. that is very attractive for a show you like isn't it it's really good uh, anything else free to airish? I mean, my kitchen rules. The other, my kitchen rules. They're going to this. They're going to what they're calling Peter Manu's house. It looks like some big white mansion. All right. So it's no. It's not their house, but it's a, another off-site. Um, so I don't know if that replaces the kitchen headquarters where they have the f- sort of last half of the series and the finals, or it's. I'm not sure. It's a little bit confusing at this stage. Yeah. But, but maybe if we watched the whole episode, Andrew... <laughs> we, <laughs> we'd have learnt more. <laughs> we understand it a little bit better. So we've <laughs> got to be careful criticising about that when you flick back every five or ten minutes. Yeah. Um, okay. The Sophie Monk was one of the things I wanted to raise with yeah, you. Yeah, right. We talked a lot about this last year, yeah. what an asset she was for The Bachelorette. Yep. The bachelor- bachelorette. Yep, yep, yep. And... Um, and how fantastically it rated. But here, all of, well, it's not all of a sudden, it's probably nearly six months on, her and Stu have broken up. Um, I don't even think it made six months, James. When did the show finish? <laughs> October, End of October, November, November December, December three months. Ja- three months. Well, I guess if you talk about it, they probably finished it three months before it aired, so let's be generous. Okay, okay, you're right, you're right. give them that time. Um, okay, so... So what do you believe? Were they ever together? Was there... Did they really give it a try? I really just, want to believe... It doesn't matter. I, I really know. want to believe that it was, you know... That it was true, but I, I found the timing of that press release really sus. <laughs> to drop that announcement on Australia Day morning with so much else going on, you know, the, you know, the well, controversy the, about the day, the, mm-hmm. the who are in, in the honours list, a lot of stuff going on news-wise, and suddenly slipped in there. I mean, it's like when... There was 3am on Instagram. yeah. And that's I, apparently, Telly says that's how Stu found out as well. Well, that's, yeah. I, so I, does I that make it that. a bit more realer that it was 3am on Instagram? No, because I, because I think, just... have a look at the timing of it, James. By <laughs> releasing something like that on a Friday, none of the tabloids can hop on the story. So all the tabloids came out on Monday. I guarantee you next Monday she'll be on the cover yep. of New Idea, Woman's Day and NW. So she put them on the back foot, but clever her. they'll the story to the next stage. Of course some... they will. But, you know, this is like when the Reserve Bank makes an announcement on Melbourne Cup Day that's uncomfortable and they don't want people to know, or when the government puts out a press release on Christmas Eve. I mean, you know, I could be completely, um, you know, doing this. Sophie could have just been in her, wherever she was, her Canadian ski resort, and it could have been the middle of the day, and of course she may not Think, oh, be thinking ahead to Australia. Country, Who knows? Oh, right, okay. Who knows? You know. <laughs> but you know, I just thought three a.m. on the morning of a public holiday, on a beginning of a start of a long weekend. Talk about um, hoping to get your news story buried, but that, that sort of thing's it's going to get out eventually. But it wasn't as big a news story as it would have been as if it had hit, you know, on yeah. a Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm. 
And then we're all, and all the breakfast shows are back, and they're not doing barbecues all around the country and live broadcast. Yeah. That's my point. Does that, does this help um, interest in Love Island? Do you think? <laughs> Is it, well, her name bubbling along, and she's going to be able to still host that show, and, and maybe in a way, the fact that she's single, you know, and she's had an experience through this, maybe that'll that'll give her a better bit of maybe if she's kind of going to be interviewing those people as they she get can refer do they get thrown off Love Island, her. she can will she be able to do a post match interview like Gretel Colleen on Big Brother? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but well, you yeah. think we'd see her maybe talking to Tracy on a current affair or something if she's a nine property these days? Well, um, yeah. So they're saving them. That surely it wouldn't make sixty minutes, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but but it'd be more current affair, maybe. Yes, in, it would be in the weeks leading up to the launch. Of, yeah. Um, of, of Love Island, if yeah, she does. Yeah, I'd love to see Tracy Grimshaw g- drill her and and say, let's really talk about that experience. And and you know, because Tracy wouldn't want to gloss it. She'd yeah. want to be certain that were you was this fair income? How much of it was real? Yeah, how much of it was fake? The 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 one thing that always never rang true for me was when the show ended and they were a couple and then they were never photographed together and everyone started asking questions and Stu said, oh well we're not doing public displays of affection because we've got to th- I've got teenage daughters we've got to think about them it's like mate you should have thought about them before you went on the TV show. <laughs> That's when I get suspicious, when something like that gets said and you think that doesn't make any sense. Mm. If you really were concerned about what your daughters would think, you wouldn't have gone on the show. So that's when I start going, hang on a second, this sounds like spin to me because I'm a cynical person, you know, and and that wasn't, that that just came across as a really dumb thing to say. Yeah, yeah. A couple of other things in the free-to-air area. Um, Seven's been on a bit of a shopping spree with Fox. Yeah. Uh, 20th Century Fox, the TV studios, picked up The Simpsons. Yep. Uh, MASH, and we believe too Futurama, which actually launched on Seven, if it I did. remember correctly. I, I think so too. And something called Bob's Burgers, which is another animation. I've got a feeling it hasn't been seen. No, it's been playing on Eleven. Has as it? part of oh. their, their uh, comedy oh, blocks. Right. Yeah. Have you ever looked at it? Have you ever seen much of that? No, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. never made that much of an impact. I mean, look, it was literally only a couple of years ago that Seven were playing MASH at 5pm as a lead-in to Deal or No Deal. Oh, okay. Literally just a couple of years right. ago. You know, so I I think we could probably uh, arguably say here that MASH is the most reliable standby show in the history of TV. Channel 10 used it at 7pm there for decades um, and whoever's had it, it's never been not on the air uh, and for some reason... 10 snatched it back off 7 a couple of years ago and 7 have taken it right back because clearly that's a, you know, that that show works Mm -hmm. like a kind of a, you know, the Vicar of Dibley and there's just some shows on TV that are always, always going to be on because they just, you know, people never seem to get sick of them. Sure, 251 episodes, I think, of um, MASH going to 7-2. Yep. Will be its home. Um, Yep. Are they talking about the promos for The Simpsons say new... But I presume they've got the back 
catalogue. Well, they, who, but, they, but they've also got new episodes coming to us as well. I know, well. Yeah, yeah. but presumably yeah. they've got the They old, must have the back I mean, catalogue. over 600 episodes. Yeah. Wow. And it's going to seven, seven mate. mate. Yep. Yep. yep, correct. Yeah. So that's uh, it's going to presumably do pretty well for them. Yeah. Um, Hughes' We Have a Problem starts... Tonight. Tonight. Tuesday re- night. As we record this. Yeah. So, um, by all... David Knox, I haven't previewed it. David Knox has given it a pretty good review at TV tonight. Yeah. He doesn't let those things off lightly. The no. promos don't look too bad. It's on a little later in the evening than Pete Hallier's show was, so maybe it can be a little edgier. Yep, yep, yep. That yep. wasn't really a success. Yeah. Um, I think this is 10 hoping for another sort of... Um, some success like they've had with Have You Been Paying Attention, which yeah. has been one of their biggest programs. Yeah. They're hoping this might do something similar. It won't be as topical, I don't think, but it, it could be funny. Look, shows like that are cheap to make, um, you know, but what's going to go against that show is that some people will look at that and say, what, another show about comedians? Mm-hmm. But look, let's face it, I love Dave Hughes. You know, when he does his, you know, his stand-up at the Logies or stuff like that, he never disappoints. I think it's, I think it's really good to see him hosting a show like mm-hmm. that. Let's be honest here, though, it's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Rejig for yeah. another format. One of the great long-standing formats of Australian TV. They did it in the 1960s with Eric Baum was the first beast and then they revived it countless times over the year with John Laws and Rex Mossop and I think Stuart Wagstaff and then there were two competing versions at one stage. It was was on Seven and Ten. It was a daytime staple. And then, of course, the last version of it was at Foxtel with Stan Zamanik and then Channel 10 started airing repeats of it. And, you know, it was the first, kind of brought us the first TV exposure of people like uh, Lisa Wilkinson and things like that and it's interesting because I always used to look at that and particularly in today even it would be even more current to do that as a daytime show I've and I've pitched this a couple of times to Foxtel um, because it's a cheap show to make reverse the sexes Mm. beauty and the beast make it beauty and the beasts and put a woman e.g. Gretel Colleen there and fill the panel with blokes. And you pitched this one? I've pitched it many times to people and said, do a reverse sexist version of this. People writing with their stories. Cheap TV, and especially now where we're wanting to see women be seen as more equal. And for so long, that show, Beauty and the Beast, and I don't think it's going to happen on Husey, we've got Mm. a problem. But that show was built around the myth, and sometimes a very real myth, that the man was a chauvinist. So he sat there with four women and housewives, and people wrote in with stories, and he said, oh, for God's sake, put on an apron and clean the house and the women <laughs> arced up and said come on give me a break mm. I would love to see that in reverse I would love to see a strong woman there and have four blokes talking about stuff and having the woman going are you guys for real la 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 that's why I think that'd be such an interesting thing and in fact I think that's even more current today with what's going on it's good quality. You, can, you can pre-record you can do a bunch once a fortnight if you wanted to yes you know? and people back, the show writes up. itself for you people send in stories and if you don't get enough that week you just make up some stories oh oh, never i wouldn't do that would they never come on look a little bit of housekeeping i maybe i talked about this in our last podcast i wouldn't i had great ambitions of watching a whole lot of stuff over the summer catching up on things i'd missed starting things i hadn't got to didn't happen yeah hardly happened at all i went to a couple of movies watched a few things but 
didn't. I don't know what happened. You know, time just goes. Of course it, it does. You get busy, you do yeah. things. Anyway, but just a little bit of housekeeping. I want to mention we talked a little bit about Broken a few times last year, the Jimmy McGovern thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So depressing and all yes. this. Yes. Sean I, Bean is the priest. Was that the, the one, one we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. First episode. Oh, yeah. so sad. I was talking about it without having seen the final episode. Oh, my God. Which that was one of the few things I did get off my list. Yes. I watched that and, wow. Really? Is that a joyous occasion? So should I go back and, oh, and look mate, for the last episode? That is worth okay. going to that last That's episode. top of there my list. There is another heavy, to, hard to watch one about midway, about episode three or four. Yep. Which is rather confronting episode about a suicide. Oh, my God. Okay. But it's it's... Watching the last step brings it all together, and gee whiz, you feel good after that. Well, night. maybe I, I checked out too early. To oh, maybe I checked out too early because you know one of the great strengths of Redfern now, which which Jimmy McGovern was intimately yeah. involved at in advising that writers, was that you did you'd have a hard episode and then you'd have a light comic episode, mm-hmm. and you know that's one of the reasons I was critical about that telly movie that they finished Redfern now on because they finished on a really tough rape. Storyline. It was just like, oh, please, you're wrapping this up. Don't go so hard on your last episode. Let's get, you know, let someone get married for, you know, I'm cheesy like that. But yeah, I, I just checked out too early. I'll go back there yeah, because yeah, I no. should remember that Jimmy McGovern does know about yeah, light and shade. It's, it's a real cracker. Now, this other, this happened four weeks ago. New Year's Eve yep. countdown live. Yeah. Wow. Wow. They got it right, didn't they? They got it right. Mm. Somebody at the ABC deserves a promotion because there was synergy in what went on there too. Not only did they bring out Classic Countdown, that show, and recut all those episodes for that year-by-year history of music, and I'm here to tell you, James, and you're a music guy and I'm a music guy, and I sat there thinking, I know my Countdown music. I grew up in this. I, I was this generation. I sat there many weeks going, wow, I never knew that. That was a spectacularly researched show that found new facts to deliver. I was astounded at what I learned on Classic Countdown. And then to follow that through with a double CD in shops, predictable, whatever. Which didn't get quite promoted as much as I thought. No. I don't think a lot of people actually knew that. No. It was on 6 o'clock Sunday. But... That inspired idea to do a concert on New Year's Eve and do away with all that horrible banter of people filling in three hours yep. between the fireworks. So-called celebrities yep, chatting. Blah, yep, blah, blah, and blah. all the, the stuff they've tried over the year. And we know from years gone past, whether it was 9 or 10 or ABC, it's always been a car crash, to sit there and say, and the brilliance of it was that Calling it a countdown concert makes it a jukebox musical, so all the songs are recognisable, you can sing along to it, a cracking house band that that was able to do every genre and go hard for three hours, and to then have the icons of the industry, like John Paul Young and Jimmy Barnes and Marsha Hines, etc., etc., but then to bring in the artists of today, to bring in Casey Donovan and Isaiah and these new performers and get them to perform those songs, that was sensational viewing for New Year's Eve. It was. You could have had a party <laughs> to that soundtrack. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I've got to, I've got to be honest. When I first saw the line-up, I thought, uh, 
this is going to be a little bit ordinary, but wow, didn't they pull it off big time? James, I'm with you. When I saw it, I, I thought exactly the same thing, but mm. I closed the cinema was, early, yeah, I came you? home, and I thought, well, I'll watch five minutes of it just so I'm across it, but yeah. I'm not watching this for three hours. <laughs> this is one of the few nights. Nobody came to the cinema that night. Mm. Of course they don't. They're watching fireworks. Nobody came. As soon as it became obvious, no one was coming. Great. Shut the doors, turn the lights off, race home. I've got the night off. <laughs> And I sat there and watched the whole thing for yep. three hours. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Barnsley was great. Yep. Phil Jamison was good. Colin Phil Jamison singing <laughs> Evie's part one, oh. two and three. Oh, that was sensational. <laughs> Colin Hay. And I would have usually gone, oh, Colin Hay in a backing bat. Oh, how good was he? Every oh. John Paul Young. John Paul Young. Magic. Ye- Marsha Hines. Why, why is Kate Sobrano. Crack it out stuff. There wasn't a dud act or a dud moment on that show for three hours. Marlia and Prinny were the other ones. Yeah. Just fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, really, really, really good. Yeah, yeah. So congrats. Uh, Now, look, I say that it's been on iView. Yeah. By the time most people listen to this, it probably comes off. I think it comes off Jan 31. Oh, what a shame, because they replayed it the night before Australia Day right. because they pulled their Dr Blake Telly movie um, and replaced it with the Australia Day concert. So I was on uh, a radio last week saying to people, it's on TV again this Thursday night, watch it. Um, but, yeah, get to iView real quick. If you're a music fan, it's a treat. Yeah, yeah. Just quickly, should we mention Craig McLaughlin? Oh, should his punishment be he's never going to work again, regardless of what's the outcome of the... Because um, that looks like what's going to happen, doesn't it? Whatever happens, it would be, you think he's probably not going to work anymore. It's huh? really... It'd be hard to come back from here. It's really hard, yeah. See, I know one of those girls that made the accusation, and there was a couple of things she said in it that related back to other things that I knew about her that that rang very true for me. When she said, and then because of the way he treated me, it made me, I was like, oh, my God, yes, I know you were that person and you got over it, and this put you back there. So I believe what those women said. But, of course, you've got this other thing where you are talking about a show and a character where the people... and, and. I'm pretty sure if you go back through history, the, the people who've played the role of Dr. Frankenfurter, it, it, some of the others, I'm sure, have let it go to their head. And I think one of the problems here, and particularly with a lot of the people that are being accused of this type of thing, a lot of the time, if you look at that person, what is there is a extreme narcissism. And I've seen Craig McLaughlin get interviewed and it's obvious that you know he he is an entertainer but it's also obvious that he loves the sound of his own voice a bit and he is a very over the top yeah we're talking about me you know and maybe that character he played in the wrong guy as brilliantly as he did it but maybe there was a touch of him in that and I sometimes wonder that people who are so caught up in themselves and aren't aware that their behaviour is crossing the line. And some people that Craig has gone up and, you know, wiggled against, and they, that's hilarious. Craig, 
it's clear that other people didn't feel that way. And there's there was clearly something wrong in the production of that show because people are saying, oh, well, the girl, why didn't the girls report it? And it's like, no, 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 go back and listen to the story. They did report it and nothing was done. So the real story is the fact that people are being let down on those productions. And yes, it's going to make life very difficult in the future with our situations and people are going to be scared to behave in a certain way. But also... People who run productions and TV shows, and we've seen in the past that it was clearly obvious that people knew about this behaviour and did nothing about it and said to people, you'll have to find a way to work around that. That person's the star of the show. Yeah. That's the thing that has to change. Hmm. Hmm. But that's a, that's a, it's a really tough case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we he sat in here where you were one day, and we did a very long podcast with him. I bet it was long, and he was, but he was very straight. Yes, but he I'm is. Not saying no. I'm not. I don't want to promote that. I'm not suggesting anybody go and listen to it. And I don't certainly don't want to say that that proves one thing or another. But. Well, one of the funniest stories I ever heard about Craig McLaughlin was uh, someone who said to me that they uh, sat him down to do an interview. And they, there was a digi beat it tape in the camera, and they go for 40 minutes. And they asked the question, and he answered the question, and 40 minutes later, the camera and said, Stop, we have to change the tape. <laughs> so he can talk yeah. about yeah. himself. And sometimes when you're doing that much talking about yourself, you're not paying attention to what else is going on in the room mm. when you're in the spotlight. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so about. But where does Dr. Blake Murder Mysteries go from here? I think it's over. It's over unless you do what they anyway. do on a Midsummer Murders or something like that. It'd be. Would it be that hard to have an episode where the show opens with the murder of Dr. Blake and his brother comes to town? His brother, who is also a doctor and investigates the murder, and then the, we've got a whole new romance with Jean, the housekeeper, and we, you recast that show with a new actor. That's a way to keep the show with the same name. It's a murder mystery show. Was the show about Craig McLaughlin, or was the show about the fact that people like murder mysteries, and they like period murder mysteries? And could you recast that show and keep doing it with another Dr Blake? Was it Nadine... Um, Nadine Garner? Garner. Yep. Could she take a more pivotal role? She could, but you'd have to change the they, title were of the they show. Engaged to be married. They got married they in the final telly movie on right. ABC. <clears throat> yeah, they come back. Could, she comes back she from could, her honeymoon she could, alone. She could have to keep the practice going with the and hire a doctor to. Oh, actually, that's brilliant. She's she's married Dr. Blake, so she's taken his name. Yeah. Maybe she becomes so a doctor. She, oh, that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> oh, you haven't me on. I thought I did have a good idea. Don't do that to me. You're so cruel. Um, okay. That's the housekeeping a little bit. Netflix, I want to go back to Netflix briefly. Yep. You mentioned um, The Sinner. Yeah. Wow. Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it. It's still wow. on my list. I've oh managed boy. to get through The Crown. Oh I've boy. done The Crown, first yep. on the list. Yep. I'm halfway through Mindhunter, second on the list. How do you feel about The Crown cast swap over? I'm a little sad. Well, yeah. I think some of them might have earned the right to... And I, I keep thinking of Hoag's. Getting rid of young hoax for yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I know there's going to be some good actors. Yeah, there, but and it can all go horribly Some of those wrong. people, are, they could have... 
and and I've got to I've got to say to you that the outstanding person in the cast for me is Matt Smith as Prince Philip. I, I just think he's been sensational in that he role. Has. What about Princess Margaret? Oh, well, she's fantastic, of huh? course, but I don't know that act- actress's name. And Claire Foy's great as the Queen. I don't want yeah, to take yeah, away yeah, anything sure. from those supporting actors, but whenever Matt Smith's on screen, his performance has been quite magnetic for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's really carried it well. But I will say this. I didn't think the second series was as strong as the first, but there may be a built-in bias here because the first series dealt with history in the 50s that I was not as familiar with. Once we started getting into the 1960s and they started hypothesising about Jackie Kennedy and JFK and some of these things that we know a little bit better and we've seen various stories on, that for the first time ever I was sitting there going, oh, did, would, would this have really happened? Are they taking a few liberties here? And I found myself asking questions in the second series about the authenticity of it, which I didn't find myself asking during the first series of it yes. because it was, a lot of it was new history to me. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter is going to be taking on that role, so it's hard to be. That's going to be, be sensational. Hard to be pissed off with Princess that, Margaret by Helena Bonham Carter. I, I can't wait. I know. Either can I. So it was Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. Who uh, played? She's her. very good. She was in. Um, she's in Mission Impossible. Uh, wow. Next. She's done a lot of action uh, stuff, actually. Um, so she was in The Dresser. Yep. Uh, yeah, but so yeah. Look, I'm not going to complain, Helena Bonham Carter. No, no. And let's let's not... You know, Olivia Coleman as the Queen. Olivia Coleman from Broadchurch. She's a pretty wicked actress too. Yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, look, they've had their time. And who are they saying for Prince Philip? Paul Bettany's still rumoured... Right, Okay. ..to do it. Yeah, I mean, they've had a couple of seasons here. Yeah. Time to move on. All right, I'm with it. I'm I'm with the program. (laughs) David Letterman on Netflix. Wow. Right. That uh, Obama episode... I was sitting, I think I watched the final of The Sinner on a Friday night and you've gone back to the menu and suddenly it's popped up. Right. I didn't, it got very little pre-publicity that, yeah, I, yeah. that I saw anyway. Yeah. Gee, it was so good. Well, see, that, George Clooney's the second one, Oh, I my think. God. See, that's another thing that it's Netflix does so well. That is brilliant. When I was watching the last episode of The Crown and it finished, it came straight up. Well, you've liked that. We think you'll like this too. Mm. Here's the trailer for Alias Grace. <laughs> I was watching the trailer going, I actually would want to watch that, but I haven't got freaking time. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's another thing put yeah, on your list. That's um, another one on the list. That Letterman, geez, he's, I mean, he looks very weird. He's got the massive beard. The, that, and that, I do find that a bit distracting, but anyway. <laughs> but you get over that. Yeah, he yeah. He has such a good rapport with uh, Obama. Yeah. And oh, it's a bit of a love-in, but that's okay. Well, it's funny you should talk about Obama because one of the things I did watch on Netflix as I was flicking around, I watched Obama with Jerry Seinfeld, comedians driving comedians and coffee in cars. Yeah, I didn't like that. And you know, driving around the White House in did that you car. Like that? Well, look, I, it's short. It's it short, and I did giggle at the idea that he was sitting in the Oval office. It was weird he couldn't get out. And, and the car pulled up outside and there was Jerry poking through the window. That yeah, yeah. did make me laugh. And it made me laugh that they couldn't drive out. They had to drive around the grounds of the White yeah. House. No, that looked a bit fake though when he tried to drive out and they wouldn't let Obama yeah. leave the uh, compound, yeah. whatever you call it. Yeah. But I don't know, that that's a Seinfeld thing and I watched a bit of the Jim Carrey one. and I watched the Larry oh, David know. one, it's which just, was pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know if 
He sets the bar so high, so your expectations are through. The well, road. that's true. That's like um, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When I watch his stuff now, you think, oh, so it's as good as you can do. Well, hang on a minute. Yeah. It's still probably better than nearly anybody else. So. Did you know, this? I read this this morning, that Ricky Gervais is the guest that's been on the Graham Norton show the most times. Really? He's been on ten times. Really? They counted them all down, <laughs> and uh, Ricky Gervais is the most frequent guest who on was, that show. Who else was up there? Well, you know, you, there were people like Dawn French and yes, Miranda okay. Hart yes. and uh, a couple of comedians like that. There are a, lot, there's a, a lot of actors have been on it. Well, Tom Cruise has been on it six he, times yeah, or something. Because every movie Tom Cruise would make, he'd do that He's show, there doing right? that show, yeah. It's like, and he, I love the way they have the whole cast yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very good. Yeah, and it's been very interesting too because I've seen a, a different Tom Cruise on that show. The first time he did that show, he was very guarded. Yeah. And then the next time he went in on you could see he was more relaxed and you could see that he was thinking, okay, this is – I need to be more a little bit more – you know, go with the flow of this and not be so like, whoa, man, what are you trying to say to me here? And, you know, it, it's interesting watching those celebrities when they come, you know, if they're a bit unsure the first time, when they come back, they're a lot calmer. Yeah, and he's, I mean, I love listening to uh, Graham Norton's radio show. And, um, do you podcast that? Yes. Oh, wow, you I can, should do that too. Liz, you can listen live if you want to on the uh, ABC, uh, BBC have a great app. Yep. With all their radio stations. Wow. It's fantastic. I'm doing that. Oh, I'm so, so doing that. that. Yeah. Anybody else who's interested, download that app. It's just brilliant. Oh, wow. But he also podcasts the three hour version with, I think, the music, or you can just get the. It's about 40 to 60 minutes just to the interview. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. It's great. Uh, yeah. It's a great, uh, it's a great hour on a, on a Saturday, that uh, short version. Anyway, I wanted to mention some stuff on Stan. Yep. Uh, Romper Stomper and Wolf Creek 2. Yep. Both premiered, I think, yep. since we've been away. I've watched all of Wolf Creek 2. Have you? Yep. I haven't done any of it. What did you think? I thought it was a lot better than Wolf Creek Wow. Two. Okay. Well, I'll go, I'll go back and... Except uh, for, and I don't want to have a spoiler, but the ending didn't do it for me. Right. Up until then, I was... Um, it was great. It was it was really good. There's some great acting on it. The cast is is really good. Um, I was trying to track down the cast. Gee, it's hard to find a, a list of the cast uh, by themselves, not mixed in with because um, IMDb, which is usual source for all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Wiki's got nothing. Stan have got very little. This um, I'm sure there's something if I looked at a little bit longer. But, uh, John Jarrett. He sort of phones it in, but his phoning it in is. Is good enough, you know. Yeah. So he's he's good in it. Um, ben Oxenbold is he's oh, the bus driver. Know, thanks for blowing I love my Ben Oxenbold. <laughs> thanks for blowing my. Yeah, he is yeah. He's the bus driver. Right. Um, no, no spoiler that he's not in all of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, that's a total spoiler. But gee, he's fantastic. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's fantastic. He's a good guy and he's a great actor. Yeah, no, I think he's much underrated. Too. He's really You'll underrated. You'll see this and go, wow, this guy is really good. Let's know? not forget that Ben Oxenbold stood up for those girls when they were well, the Hey Dad yep. girls. Yep. He was a young kid at the time, a young teenager. Yep. He stood up for them then. He stood up for them when they went on a current affair and accused Robert Hughes of that stuff and people said, oh, they're just doing that for the money. And he came on and said, I can't sit here and listen to that. I was there and it happened. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's got people's backs. Yeah, yeah. Matt Day's in it. Uh, he's Matt pretty, Day. He's pretty good. Although somebody would say to me they weren't sure what accent he was trying to, um, <laughs> right. to get across. Um, who else is in it? Uh, just bear with me. A uh, guy called Jason Chong, who I don't really know a lot about, but he, he's very good in this. He's fantastic. Yep. Um, uh, who else did I want? Oh, Charlie Clawson's in it from um, The Home and Away. Okay. Guy and Will Anderson's podcast part. Yes, he's right. He's very good in this. Too. Yep. Yeah, he plays, um, I think he's one half of American tourists visiting in Australia. Right. He's pretty good. And I won't say how, how long these people are in it for. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to give more than I've uh, given away. And who do I want to give a mention to? Um, ben Oxenbold, there he is. It's funny about Wolf Creek because even though you know, the ultra-violence is, is not for everyone's taste. Mm. And I've seen both movies in the first TV series. Even though you kind of go, oh, this is really pushing it a bit with the violence and the, the kind of thing, there are some sequences in it, you know, and there's that sequence in Wolf Creek 2 where Ryan Kaur's trying to get away from Mick and, uh, you know, they're having this road chase and these this uh, herd of kangaroos start crossing the road and they're hitting the kangaroos. I mean, just, there are, you know, Greg McLean off and pull some really amazing... The director pulls some really amazing yes. sequence out of the bag. And he's talking about a third Wolf Creek movie really? too. Yeah. Okay. Chris Haywood was the Chris name I was thinking Haywood. <laughs> Chris Haywood, the Australian actor who's been in everything. His IMDb goes on for I like know. six pages. He's very good. He's very good in wow. this. Wow. Um, and also in the credits is Peter Overton. Wow. You could probably guess, but yeah, I'm, not yeah, gonna, yeah. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just another interesting thing for people to um, to work out. I think uh, Greg McLean directed the first two episodes. Right. Didn't direct any of the others. But okay. of course, he was across it all, of course. Um, turning up in the writing was a guy called Mark Dappen. Dappen used to be a oh, um, yeah. columnist for The Good Weekend. Yes. Editor of a men's magazine. That's right. He'd do um, those sort of, you know, me, me, talking about men issues yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. I single... Think it was go- a Good Weekend, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. He was a regular writer for us. It's good to see him. I, often, I always read it, yeah. Yeah, he was a magazine editor. He's had a couple of books out. Yep. Um, it's good to see him. Um, Greg Hadrick, a screen time veteran from of Underbelly, of course. Yep. Um, he had uh, credit on two episodes as well. But it's a, it's a really um, it's a good little production, well worth um, checking it out. The other thing, uh, Romper Stomper. Romper Stomper. I've seen that. I've only got as far as the first two. I watched the first one. <laughs> Which, again, um, might say something about it, the ability for us to be dropped. Look, I want to watch it all, though, I must say. I, but... I want to like it, James, and, 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 and I'm hugely supportive of Stan making Australian productions. I yeah. really am. And I think Jacqueline McKenzie is going through a great phase. She was so good in that movie Three Summers, and Lockie Hume in that first episode was so horrifying as that white supremacist. Mm. My thing is, though, I don't know that I can watch that for six hours. Yeah. It's about a subject... I don't want to know about. Mm. I I find it 
mega disturbing to watch because it's so believable and so true to life. And I have no interest in watching stories about white supremacists and uh, I, I, I don't want to know about their, what's making them behave like that. I just don't, I just don't think I can do it. Are you with the, do you share David Stratton's views that he had about the movie? Well, it's been a long time since I watched the movie. Which, ironically, was on again last night. Right. On that repeat of David Stratton. Right. Yes, yes, yes. He talked all about that. Yeah. And had the... um was the guy's name? Jeffrey Wright. The director. No, the, the, they've never forgiven each no, other. Jeffrey, they, Wright, Jeffrey Wright's never forgiven him, no. David Stratton for the review. Um, and he, I, people who don't know, he reviewed it, but he refused to give it a rating. Yeah. Yeah. He said, Which I don't is, want to give it a bad rating. I'm just not going to rate it at all. So he basically gave it zero out of five. Well, no. In a way. Just, yeah, but he even refused to acknowledge it. Um, look, it's been... I only I saw the movie when it came out, back in the day when, you know... Asian gangs were the perceived threat, and <laughs> they're not now, are they? Um, but uh, look, I just—it I, it really, just, it really worried me when I read Craig Matheson's review of it in, <clears throat> pardon me, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Age. Right. What did he and, say? Well, he watched the whole thing, and he basically said, "I've gotten to the whole thing, and I don't." understand what the point of this is. They haven't given me motivation. They haven't explained why these people behave like this. It's just repeated stuff that we already know and and I don't quite understand why it exists. And that, I must admit, that made me go, well then I'm definitely not watching it now because that was my concern about it to begin with. Great cast, brilliant idea to update that story, but it's just not my idea of something to do to watch late at night when I'm trying to relax and get ready for bed. Uh, pretty good cast, but I found some of it a little bit... Sophie Lowe was Lockie Hume's husband in the show. I just didn't quite buy that. Yeah. And then she has a, gets it off with one of the young sort of... Yeah, you can see that. And it's just a bit... Yeah. I didn't quite buy that. Yeah. Really... I just couldn't see her <laughs> marrying, marriage, yeah. marrying that sort of guy. And she's around sipping a white wine as, uh, as if she's some toff and he's supposed to be the yobbo running a trucking business. Yeah. It just didn't gel. Um, but, look, I still want to go back and watch it. But then again, the fact that we haven't, you know, we've said before, does is a bit of an indicator of, you know. But even though I don't want to watch it, I still want to say well done to Stan for making yeah, yeah, an Australian absolutely. production. Something edgy that wouldn't be on free-to-air TV and it's the perfect show for a streaming service today. Yeah, yeah. And look, it's done very well it's for It's done them. very it, well. It's set new um, biggest um, single-day audience and biggest single-week audience for a Stan original. And been on sold to BBC Three, yeah. so yeah. it's going to it's screen in the UK. Internationally. I yep. bet you it sells to America somewhere. Sure, sure. Yep. Um, I just wanted to mention there's new Billions and new Unreal both soon on stand. Yes. Two series I both love and I'm sure they'll be in my best list. And I keep thinking I wanted to start my best list and work it during the year so I'm not trying to do it at the end oh, of the year. Oh, that's a great idea. Get a whiteboard and start writing well, it down there. I've even yeah. started a little spreadsheet. Yeah. You've just got to fill the bloody thing in. Yeah, that's right. You've got to remember <laughs> to do it. Because you forget stuff. So yeah. every month I'm going to try and keep it up to date and, and add to it. And... Um, and I, and I Stan had their third birthday on Australia Day. Yep. And I spoke to um, the CEO, um, 
just last week. Yep. And he talked a little bit about what's coming up, and they're very excited about their NBC deal, which, of course, gives them uh, access to... Um, Will and Grace. Right. And yeah, the yeah, Will yeah. and Grace, he says that does very well for them. I bet that does well. Uh, they've got a show called Rise. It's the musical drama yes, that it's... NBC have made or yes. making. Yes. It's something to do, is it something to do with the AIDS crisis, Rise? Is it a gay? Could be. I'm not gay sure. drama? It's the people who are behind, some of the people who are behind Friday Night's Lights. Right. I might be and, wrong uh, saying that. It may not be Rise. I might be getting confused with Right on the ABC. Okay. But there's something about Rise that makes me think it's a, a gay rights story. I will say this, uh, Stan uh, has absolutely gone for the gay market. They have some really outstanding shows there. RuPaul's Drag Race, which began last Friday. RuPaul, you know, I was sitting there on Twitter giggling away at people like going, it was Australia Day, but there were all these people on Twitter like saying, oh, I, I do love a public holiday, happy RuPaul Day and all this. You know, of course the gays love that show and, you know, it's the first thing I did when I got home Friday night is put it on. Okay, okay. And I was speaking to Mike Sneesby, he was in LA, so he was trying to do some new deals over there and he, he talked... I asked him, sort of, what, what are the most popular things you've ever had? And he said, yeah, look, the Aussie things, Romp, Stomp and Wolf Creek, done yep. very well. We know that. But he said the big franchises with the big back catalogues, so it's Friends yep. and Seinfeld do fantastically well. Yep. Uh, Friends, 236 episodes. Seinfeld didn't have as many. I thought it might have, 180. Yeah. And and he was quite excited about The Office and Parks and Rec. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought they maybe were in that ballpark, but The Office had 201 episodes. It's, am, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing, isn't it, when you think so about it? Because real long time. The Office and Parks and, Parks and Rec Parks played and Rec, on Channel, no, Channel 7 late at night. Episodes. But it played at like 11.30 at night. It was on for a long time. Right? Yes, people, I guess, have discovered it in the years mm. since. And you go see an Amy Poehler movie and then you go, oh, she's in this TV show. You start watching it. Yeah. Um, um, it's interesting, isn't it? A lot of those sitcoms that Seven had, as I guess as part of their distribution deal, that they never played in primetime, 30 Rock and Parks and Recs in the office, those shows have all been picked up by um, SBS 2 and now they're on ABC Comedy and they're playing in primetime now in repeats sure. when their first run, uh, the free to couldn't make them work. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I'll finish my contribution, maybe with a couple of things I'm looking forward to watching. There's uh, the Rose McGowan doco called Rose. Yeah. It's going to be on Hayu now, is it? Right. It's going to be on E as well. I'm I get the sure. feeling it's on a, a free-to-wear channel there somewhere. Absolutely, I do. Or a Foxtel channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a yeah. Foxtel channel, I mean, yeah. So you can watch it on Hayu. Yeah. Hayu. Yeah. And I guess on E as well. Um, right. I probably know about Hey You because I'm a fetch customer now because I've just... So am I. I've just moved house. And yes. I, and it was... It's, it's a long story, but it was too hard to move the Foxtel in a hurry. So I've, I was an Optus Broadband customer. Yep. So I qualified for the fetch box and you get one package free and you get to pick. So you get two... Um, what do you call them? Packages? Yes. So two, yes. Two bundles of channels. Yep. I use part of that offering okay. as well. Okay, so, yeah. So I know a bit. I've seen some promos for that. There's a Netflix 
um, I think it's a sci-fi series called Altered Carbon, which drops this week. I've seen a lot of billboards, bus Have shelters. Oh, so uh, it's everywhere. It's, it's in the park. city. It's every, everywhere I've driven, I've seen them. Okay, so I'm looking forward to that. The new yep. season of Homeland's going to SBS. Yes, it is. And I'm one of the few people still hanging in there yeah. with Homeland. Yeah. So I'll be there to the death, so I'm looking out for that. I was, part of my fetch package is BBC First. Okay, which great. I've always had on Foxtel. I know yep. there's fewer things to choose from on Fetch, so I'm going to make an effort. The only thing about it being on into... the fetch box is it's not in high definition. Right, okay. And, you know, I, and I watch it all and I just think, yeah, but if I just, mm. if I, if I, if I, maybe I should have taken this package on Foxtel because okay. I might be able to watch the show. Because I, I get my Foxtel stuff over the internet now. My, I'm looking on a smaller screen these yep. days too, so it comes up all right. Okay. I'm, I've started uh, Relic, which is Relic. A Relic started this week. Never heard it's of a it. British mystery. Um, it's actually Killer, spelt backwards. Relic. Ah, okay. And um, ah, ah, yeah, so yeah, far, yeah. So good. It's sort of an investigation. But the interesting thing here, and it threw me a little. I was getting into it, but it threw me a little bit at the same time. They go into a flashback. Okay, I get that. During that flashback, they go into another flashback from the flashback. Oh my god. <laughs> So you've got to keep your wits Is it a British show or a, a British Scandi show? Yeah, show. yeah British. Right, okay. That's pretty good. And okay. I quite, you know, I thought, you know, it's, if someone had said that to me, I'd say, yeah, bullshit, I'm, it's going to be too hard to follow. Yeah. But it's sort of working so far. Yeah. But you've got to, you've got to concentrate and uh, follow it. So that's good. And a show called The Miniaturist coming on February 6th. Yep. Starring... Oh, a BBC know. show? Yeah, BBC, but it's a... It's set in Amsterdam. Yep. In the 17th century. Right. It looks good. Don't know who's in it. It's from a best-selling novel by an actress and author, Jessie Burton. Yeah, right. I don't know much more about it, but it looks like my cup of tea. But aren't you... I'm almost predisposed to a BBC drama. No matter what it's about, I think, maybe I should just watch the first episode. Because even the ones sometimes that have a synopsis that make you think, oh, I don't know whether I like that, they just do it oh, so yeah, I know. well. Yeah, yeah, you just, just go, whole, oh, this is amazing. You're like you're living in the period, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it gets me in. And sometimes the story's almost secondary. That's right. Because you're reveling in the whole, the detail that they, yeah. they pull it off with. You. And see, they, 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 they do their contemporary dramas about these very simple, small events, like Dr. Foster, she finds a hair on her husband's jacket, is he having an affair? And then you get this incredible show that follows in the wake of that. Yeah. And it's something that we don't seem to be able to do here in Australia. I think there's a bit of a problem with Australian drama at the moment. I think we're trying to figure out where we sit in this new world order. You've got the Scandies and the Europeans doing their crime dramas. You've got the Americans doing their edgy dramas. You've got the Brits doing BBC dramas where they can do just anything and it's fantastic. And you've got the Australians sitting here going, where, what can we do to compete in this marketplace? And we're running out of things to remake like yeah, Wake yeah. and Fried and Picnic Hanging Rock and Romper Stomper and uh, adaptations. And the stuff, the new stuff we tried last year, like Sisters, didn't work. And there's so uh, there, I, I imagine that a lot of Australian drama producers are kind of going, what, what, what genre should we try to specialise in? I, I think it's a really tough time for local dramas at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned um, Dr. Foster. Uh, Gemma, Gemma, Dr. Gemma Foster, Saran Jones, who plays her, was on a recent Graham Norton. Right. With the cast from The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Sitting beside Hugh Jackman. So that was, oh, it was a great episode. Yeah, so yeah. Ten's got the, all of those on um, 
10 play. Right. They replay a lot of the old yep. ones too, so look up that one. It's good. I wanted to finish up, though, talking about the summer of movies. Yeah. Because there's been some great movies out there. Yeah. I've seen, lucky to see a few of them. I've got a list of 23 films. Wow. Um, that I want to see either current, recent, or about to break. And there's been some big box office hits, Jumanji yep. and probably The Greatest Showman. Yep. The, I mean, The Last Jedi, of course, but that was expected. Those other two have just kept going, haven't they? Yeah. Has it been reflected in your neck of the woods, your cinema? How's yeah. it going up there? Is that- um, okay, so I'll tell you some interesting things. <laughs> Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Yeah. I took it day and date, opened it on the Thursday. Huge, huge. People right. coming from everywhere, wearing <laughs> Star Wars clothes, everything great. Friday, nobody. Really? Saturday, nobody. It's like, what the hell? Opening night so, only. No, what, what it was was it, it kept going. Like yeah. I had it for four weeks and it came up, okay. but it became very obvious to me that Star Wars, the fans come on opening day okay. and everybody else who's not a super fan goes, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll go see that on Boxing Day. Oh, okay. It's going to be around for a few yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. So it ran and ran and ran and, and I made money on it. Okay. But that first week after it rele- after opening day was like horrifying yes. because I thought, has this film flopped? But people did come back and see it again. There were fans that were a bit confused about it. It, it hasn't been the most, the best received. It's underperformed slightly. Um, but, you know, it made money and it worked. Yep. The surprise package was Jumanji. I took the gamble. I had to choose between Jumanji and The Greatest Showman. Okay. And I, of course, knew I was going to love The Greatest Showman because it was a musical. (laughs) That was a given. But I thought to myself, is it going to have the same family family. appeal for kids as Jumanji? And I saw Jumanji at the movie convention and I got halfway into the film and I thought, it's got to be this film. And so I took it. And, of course, Jumanji uh, surpassed all expectations and I did huge business with it. But when it finished... I thought to myself, I think there's more in this. And so I had enough time to make a change and I brought it back for the last week of school holidays and it went through the roof again. That film was a super success. And did you hear about uh, The Rock tweeting me? No. Oh, James. What happened? Tell me the story. So I was just on Twitter and... He, the Rock had put out a tweet that said, you know, Jumanji, the number one m- movie in the world, thank you all for your support. So I just replied, as you do to those things, no, not expecting a reply. I said, um, as, um, as someone who's been running two cinemas this summer, because I had a pop-up in Kempsey, as someone who's been running two cinemas, um, I can confirm to you that it's been a huge hit and audiences love it. And I put the names of the cinema in there. He replied <laughs> and said... Thank you, sir, and hello to everyone in Australia. Glad you're enjoying the film. Well, of course, I just went crazy because he basically sent a message to all of Australia and it suggested to me that he actually had Googled where my cinemas were to figure out that I was coming from Australia Mm. and so that was just the greatest thing ever, you know, to think that, you know, that he picked our little cinemas and, and it said hello to us. I was, I was hugely is, is this, excited. Uh, you've developed a new marketing strategy now. Every new <laughs> release you, you're going to reach out. There's, the, a, there's, uh... there's a bit, been a bit of that going on since, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then I got, I've got to say this too, The Greatest Showman, um, when I finally did get The Greatest Showman, and I, I took it about four weeks after it okay. opened on Boxing Day, so it came in late January, and I was 
pleasantly surprised by the amount of young kids that did come to it. But see, you know, by that stage, three of the songs from the soundtrack were in the top ten, which is extraordinary. And it has one of the best soundtracks I've heard from musical in a long time. You hear the songs once in the theatre and go, my God, I'm going to buy that soundtrack. There isn't a dud song in the whole thing. And in fact, there's maybe four or five really strong standalone shows. It's a great musical. And I had this beautiful experience screening it one day where these three brothers came to see the movies and the youngest one was maybe about 10 and he looked like a little grommet blonde hair looked like he couldn't wait to grab his surfboard and go for a swim afterwards and when the film was over and there is the the film it's almost impossible for you not to tap your foot along and a lot of the adults have been coming out saying to me "I, I, i was just tapping my feet i want i want to dance now i want to walk out the cinema dancing and this 10 year old encapsulated that because he was a kid and he doesn't care about you know what people think and he stood up and he started dancing like Zac Efron and twirling around and he fell over and he hit the ground really hard and I thought oh no he's gonna cry no he got up and (sighs) took a breath and all that and he kept dancing all the way down the aisle in front of everyone he came to me and I'm standing there at the door and I said I said to him you look like you enjoyed that movie and he said to me that was a million of my dreams in one movie and out he went into the sunshine, kept dancing, and his brothers came out. Nobody batted an eyelid. That was just him. He's clearly a little Billy Elliot in the training. He couldn't contain his excitement and that that extreme reaction from people coming out that movie that films that was an, that was a, the other crowd pleaser of the summer it must make you feel good too oh it ma- like makes that, you makes day to see something like that makes you day yeah yeah no one has this effect on people yeah did you know jumanji is now only a couple of million away from the all-time top 10 best in Australia. Wow. Who would have predicted that? Nobody predicted it, you know, and before it went there, some of the theatre owners were grumbling that, you know, Sony had lifted their terms slightly and were taking more of the box office and they go, oh, we're not going to take that film. They want more. And it's like, what, you're going to take, you're not, you're going to take this film and not take Jumanji for boxing. Jumanji is clearly going to appeal to all age groups and it did. And I had adults coming back and seeing it a second time. People that I did not think was the target audience going, that movie was just so much fun. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for movies that are just fun. Nothing else, just fun. Okay, so it's the Roxy, Southwest Rocks. Yes. And Kempsey, is Kempsey I, finished? I, I, yes, it, we fi- yeah, we finished. I, it, was a, it was a pop-up experiment for okay. the summer. Yep. There's, there's a big controversy going up in that area because the local council are wanting to build four cinemas okay. and they want to give over money millions of dollars and it's a it's a very poor town with some pretty dodgy roads and there's a lot of upset people about it and i always wanted a second screen for summer to move more product around because there were so many good movies particularly this year and the theater that's there is a beautiful theater and it's perfectly workable and it's an art it's got art deco imprints in the roof and it's got chandeliers there's a chandelier in the men's toilet for god's sake it's it's small and it's old but it's perfectly comfortable and you could the council who owns that building and I subletted it from the theatre group that do it in my opinion the council would be far better off spending a fraction of this money on doing up that centre and building another cinema there on all the spare land around it and making that a bit of an entertainment hub but they have other ideas on how to revitalise the town so they're going to do what they want to do but what I uncovered that I had no idea was there was you know 
when people have grown up in a town and seen movies in their youth at a particular cinema and you reopen that place after a few years and people come in and say, oh my God, I saw the original Jumanji here on a date night and I'm here now with my children and this is so fantastic to be able to bring them there. You know, the movie business, we're in a really tough position at the moment. The streaming that is going on through Netflix... The numbers are down. The box office in Australia was down 10% last year. It was down in the America, New Zealand and Australia and it was up everywhere else in the world. But you know what, what Aussies are like. We embrace new things and we are obsessed with Netflix and those streaming services right now. And the movie business is tough. And one of the ways to actually keep going in this business will be to trade on that retro nostalgic thing that you can do with old cinemas. Yes. And just like the story in the Sydney Morning Herald about the three old um, classic 1950s milk bars that stay open to this day and have this stream of visitors from around the place. You know, nostalgia and retro is still a powerful thing in the world today. Yeah. And Netflix saying just last week they're going to continue. They're very happy with the success of Bright, the Will yeah. Smith movie. Yeah. They, they say their biggest budget movie to date, they're going to make more movies with similar sort of spends. So that's... Uh, it's changing their business model a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, imagine my dilemma where I'm sitting there taking the ads from Val Morgan and Netflix advertising <laughs> movies on the big screen. I'm thinking this is exactly why I'm not making as much money as I thought. I but look, as I always say, the movie business has been in this position many times before. The introduction of colour TV, the VHS video record, the home entertainment census. We just need one blockbuster to come out of the park and surprise us like the TV shows we've talked about that have been. We, we just need a Jumanji. Well, Jumanji's done it this time. Jumanji's done it, exactly right. There's something coming around the corner that's the next Crocodile Dundee and people go back to the cinema and then when they go back to see this film, they they, they pick up the habit again. Sure. Andrew Mikado, cinema operator, Media Week contributor on the Media Week TV podcast, uh, mediaweek.com.au for his weekly viewing guide. You're still on Jones in Amanda, I heard you this morning. Good stuff. So um, good to see you keeping busy. Thanks, James. See you next time.